After days of being raked over the rocks for promising to spend taxpayer money on crack pipes, the Biden administration is denying that the policy ever existed at all. HHS just put out a statement clarifying um, around some reports uh, that crack pipes are not would be part of the safe smoking kits that are funded by mm -hmm. the administration. Um, but can you clarify for us, were they never a part of the kit or were they removed in response to this reporting and this pushback? The they were never a part of the kit. It was inaccurate reporting and we wanted to put out information to make that clear. They were never part of the kit. Saki says the administration never planned to buy the pipes, which is different from what the Department of Health and Human Services told us. They never denied that they had planned to buy the pipes. They just said that now, quote, no federal funding will be used directly or through subsequent reimbursement of grantees to put pipes in safe smoking kits. Before that, Biden's allies actually defended the free crack pipes as a logical part of any harm reduction plan. Three different stories. Who's telling the truth? It's actually pretty simple to find out. You pretty much just need to Google safe smoking kit and harm reduction plan. And then, this is the important part, limit the search dates to a few days, a few days ago when the Biden administration changed the definition and started gaslighting everybody. So on the search date, you go from the dawn of time until three, four days ago before all the craziness and all the changes. Now, what is a harm reduction plan? What is a safe smoking kit? When you do that, one of the very first articles that pops up is from the Maryland Capital Gazette. There at the very top is a picture of a safe smoking kit. And, and right there, quite prominent, is a crack pipe. According to the article, there was backlash, just like we're seeing now, and the county stopped distributing the kits. You don't even need to look at the countless descriptions of safe smoking kits that mention crack pipes. It's right there in the name. By definition, a smoking kit cannot be a smoking kit if it does not include anything through which to smoke. This is gaslighting, plain and simple, just like 15 days to slow the spread, just like, like the safe and effective vaccines that stop infection and transmission, just like Joe Rogan, the right-wing extremist. It's establishment gaslighting, and they might get away with it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. My favorite comment yesterday from Matt, who says, why is Michael Knowles an absolute meme? The man has literally written himself into the United States congressional record. This is true. Thank you. <laughs> well, I didn't write myself in. It was actually Congressman Paul Gosar who did, because as we have mentioned before, on this show, I mentioned offhandedly that I will not vote for any federal candidates, and you should not either, who do not promise to investigate Dr. Fauci, and zero out his salary. This is called the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge. Dozens of candidates have signed on. It's now been entered as a House resolution. Your congressmen, your senators can sign on as co-sponsors of this resolution. They should. You should bug them to do it. Tag your congressmen. Tell them to stand up. Co go against Dr. Fauci. Help preserve self-government. Sign on to the pledge. Very, very important to protecting our country. When you want to protect not just your country, but your identity, I would strongly recommend you check out LifeLock. Fake charities are becoming more prevalent and an easy way for scammers to steal your money and your identity. To prevent yourself from falling victim, always research organizations before donating. 
watch out for emails with links to fake websites, and never give out bank account information or your social security number. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet. In an instant, a cyber criminal could steal what's yours, sometimes even harm your finances or your credit. Good thing, there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, they will send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join right now. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash Knowles. That's LifeLock.com slash Knowles for 25% off. It's the gaslighting that is so offensive to me. It, it, it's not just that the Biden administration peddles crack pipes. It's not even just that they lie about it. It's that they're forcing all of us to lie about it too. <laughs> they expect all of us. It's not just, yeah, it was a dumb policy. No, it's, no, 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 we never did that in the first place. What are you talking about? It's a safe smoke. It's a safe smoking kit. A safe smoking kit includes crack, includes crack pipes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't include anything through which to smoke. Well, then how's it a smoking kit? Never mind. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a misinformer. You're spreading fake news. The gaslighting has been turned up to 11. The clearest example of the gaslighting is Joe Rogan. The Rogan controversy is kind of dying down right now. The, the cancel mob seems to be pulling off. Spotify says they're going to stick by Rogan. They've already gotten a lot of concessions, disclaimers on his right-wing episodes. They took down over 100 episodes. Right? They say you've got to have more Democrats on your show. Okay, fine. The, the premise here was that Joe Rogan is some kind of far-right, radical extremist. Not only is Joe Rogan not a far-right extremist, he's not even a centrist, really. He's not even a center-leftist. He is a pretty well-established leftist person who just happens to have a couple of views that contradict the liberal establishment. There's a guy, Matt Orfalea, who put together a two or three minute compilation of all that, all that right wing extremism from, from Joe Rogan. Take a listen. I really believe if yeah. Michelle Obama runs, she might win. She wins. She's good. She's great. She's right. the wife of the best president that we right, have had right. in our lifetime. I've never voted right wing in my life. I consider universal basic income a really good idea. I want free college education. Take it easy. Hello, Bernie. How are you, Joe? Wonderful. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. I like Tulsi and I like Bernie. That's it. Oh, yeah? Everybody else can eat shit. Look at you, progressive. Yeah. I think I'll probably vote for Bernie. I think he's looking out for the interests of the working people. And I think he wants people to have a better life and do better. And I'm all for that. And if that means I have to pay more in tax, like people think, oh, you're a socialist. I've heard people say that. Oh, you're a socialist, bro. Like, first of all, he's not even a socialist. Mm -hmm. he, he's a democratic socialist. It's a different thing. I would like to spend more in taxes if they could fix inner city communities and, and take these poor neighborhoods and we throw spend a load of Spend more, you fucking Republican piece of 87% of scientists said that human activity is driving global warming. I'm very pro-choice. I'm very women's rights, civil rights, gay rights, trans rights. This goes on for minutes more. You get the picture. Not exactly a right-wing extremist. Joe Rogan is as clearly on the left as anybody. He just questioned Dr. Fauci like twice. And that was enough 
for the establishment to say he is a far right radical. He's 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 to the right of Hitler. He this guy this guy is he's a Nazi. He's so you say well actually the Nazis weren't totally on the right. No never mind. No it doesn't matter. Forget about that. Joe Rogan is a threat. We've got to stop. He's 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 an insurrectionist. It's going to be the next thing they say about it. It shows you the the power of the gaslighting. Not not only the audacity to do it. We all know it's not true. Joe, it's not as though Joe Rogan's some minor cultural figure. He's the most popular podcaster in the world, and yet they're t- they are urinating on our legs. They are telling us that it is raining. We we have heard Joe Rogan say all these things over the years, and now they're trying to convince us that he's Francisco Franco. And that's the most offensive part. That's the most. It's not even the incompetence and and the, the lies necessarily. It's like, it's the, it's the lies about the lies. It's this, it's this culture of lies that we're all, all being steeped in. You want to, you want to talk about gaslighting, what's going on right now, not just in the United States, not even just up in America's hat with the truckers and the freedom convoy, but now what's going on in Europe. The freedom convoy has made it to continental Europe. It's now in France. This is the largest workers movement that I have seen in my lifetime, probably the largest movement of workers, political movement of workers in a hundred years. And the left is completely against it. This freedom convoy has left a whole bunch of cities around France, specifically in Southern France, and is headed up to Paris. They're part of this convoy. What are they protesting? They're protesting the country's mandatory COVID vaccine program. This is a direct outgrowth of the Canada Freedom Convoy. They're they're even calling it the same term. It's the Freedom Convoy. This is according to the New York Times. You've got got, uh, reporting there saying, yep, this is directly coming out of the worker movement in Canada. This from Reuters. One of the truck drivers said, we're just tired of it all. We want to go where we want without being asked for a vaccine pass. At least with this action, I am doing something. This is the voice of actual marginalized people. When I say marginalized people, I do not mean Ibram Kendi. I do not mean Robin D'Angelo. I do not mean radicals, Atanahisi Coates, not radical identitarians in ivory towers or on television. Talking about actual normal people doing jobs, bringing our goods to us from city to city, keep the lifeblood of the economy, who just want to be able to go get a beer without having to show their medical history. And the left is completely against them. And so what are we being told? This isn't the working class. This isn't ordinary people. This is, no, this is fascists, bigot, racists. Everyone they don't like is a racist. This is terror. Do not pay any attention to this. Yeah, we support workers, but don't look at any of those actual workers. This is, no, just listen to Dr. Fauci and Rochelle Walensky and the World Economic Forum. They're, re- they're the voice of the oppressed. They're the voice of the workers. Forget the actual truckers. And why are they, why are they rallying, by the way? The, the, why are, the, it's not because they're racist. It's not because they're fascist. It's, not be, it's, it's a very simple reason. Why are they rallying? Because they don't want to have to inject themselves with an experimental drug to to sort of try to stave off a cough that 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 is not actually going to work to do. Uh, Even according to the CDC, even according to the FDA, even according to Dr. Fauci and all the rest of them. It's all about 
the vaccines. And why? Why might an ordinary person be skeptical of the COVID vaccines? Well, because we're being told that the vaccines are extremely safe and extremely effective. And that's why you need to go get your first vaccine shot. And also we're being told they're not effective at all, which is why you've got to get your fourth or fifth vaccine shot. And maybe the, the genius elites don't, don't understand that there's a contradiction there, but ordinary people do, and they've had enough of it. They're, we're finally getting a little light on this whole situation. And when you want to control the light in your home, I would strongly recommend you check out Hunter Douglas. Who doesn't love to live well? To be perfectly at ease in comfort and style, Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside the house. Maybe it's the superior insulation that the shades provide, keeping you warmer in winter, cooler in summer, and lowering utility bills. I didn't realize until I got my house down here in Tennessee how important the window treatments are to the way that the light plays around in the house, to the way you feel all the time in that house. Go check out hunterdouglas.com slash Knowles today for your free style get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's hunterdouglas.com slash Knowles for your free design guide. Dr. Fauci and the whole public health establishment are in an impossible little pickle right now, which is they are, they are simultaneously forced to argue two different things. The new message coming out of the public health establishment is that you are going to need to get a fourth COVID shot. Dr. Fauci, can you talk a little bit more about what you think the data show now on the need for shot beyond a third dose, beyond a booster? As you know, boosters are being given as early as five months. We are approaching five months uh, now for some of the first folks who got it. What do we know about how often or if further shots will be needed going forward, and in particular, whether we might need specific types of shots for any variant? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question. That's obviously an issue. I think you should be appreciative of the fact that when you're talking about any decisions that will be made, and I'm not anticipating any of that now, but it has to be put into the context of whom you are talking about. For example, there may be the need for yet again another boost, in this case, a fourth dose boost for an individual receiving the mRNA that could be based on age as well as underlying conditions. Now, listen here, we're not going to make all of you get the fourth shot. I mean, you've all got to get the third shot, which we initially told you you didn't need. But there's, we're not going to make you all get the fourth shot. Not this. What are we going to hear in six months? What are we going to hear? We're, you know what we're going to hear. We're going to hear, all right, all, obviously everyone needs the fourth shot. Get your little two-year-old kid the fourth shot. But we do not believe that everyone needs the 15th shot, okay? Only the immunocompromised need the 15th. Look, I'm not saying you all need the 25th shot, okay? Only, and it's going to go on and on and on because our economy now is geared towards subscription models. (laughs) So, you know, you sign up for your Netflix, you sign up for your MLB TV and you sign up for your Pfizer. And so just every so often you get, you get your booster and that's, that's the way that it goes. Dr. Fauci has to make an impossible sell right now. 
which is the vaccines don't work. So you need to get the fourth shot because they didn't work. The first two didn't do what they were supposed to do. And then even the third one didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so now you need the fourth one. And then it's going to do some of what we told you it would do. It's still not going to do all of what we told you it would do, namely stop transmission and stop infection, which I, Dr. Fauci, and Rochelle Walensky and Joe Biden all said it was going to do. And then we admitted it doesn't do. Not just that, uh, but you know, at least if you get the fourth shot, maybe it'll reduce risk of hospitalization and death. Maybe it will. Okay. So that's why you got to get the fourth shot. But also there are still a lot of people who haven't even gotten the first shot and who are skeptical that the vaccines are going to do what, what we were all told they were going to do. And so at the same time, Dr. Fauci has got to convince them to get the first and second shot because it's so effective that you got to go get that shot and it'll stop you from getting the COVID. But also it's not effective at all, which is why you've got to get the fourth shot. And, and listen here, peasant, don't ask any questions. Just go do it. Well, you got (laughs) to, why am I supposed to believe you on the fourth shot if you were totally wrong on the first three shots? Don't stop asking those pesky questions. You, you sound like a white supremacist. What? What are you talking about? You're a far right extremist like Joe Rogan. Huh? Hold on. What are you, hold on. Calm down now. Yeah, you're probably smoking a lot of crack, which we're totally not sending you. Well, I think you were, though. You were sending out the crack pipes. Anyway, anyway, none of this is based on science or logic or reason. What this is based on is feelings. And look, a lot. my friend, Mr. Shapiro, likes to say facts don't care about your feelings, but politics largely cares about your feelings. So I'm not even dissing it, okay? I'm not even saying that politicians should not seek to in in some way align their policy up with the feelings of the people. But this is totally divorced from reality at this point. You're seeing this most clearly with the head of the teacher union, Randy Weingarten, who said that policy about masking and all the rest of it in schools should be based not on the science, but on feelings. The issue becomes, how do we make sure that the entire community in a school feel safe and welcome. And I don't think that we, there's, when you get to COVID, there's no, no risk. The real issue becomes, how do we make sure that everybody feels safe? So if we don't have a mask mandate in school, we got to make sure that kids and teachers are not stigmatized for wearing masks. And we better do everything we can to make sure the ventilation is working in, um, in classrooms so that there's fresh air and, and that we're doing everything in our power to make sure that this virus is not transmissible. So you, you want to do everything in your power to make sure the virus is not transmissible. So you, what, you're going to force people to wear cloth masks? Leanna Wu, even a leftist, the medical expert on CNN, she came out and she said that the cloth masks are, are just facial ornamentation. They don't really do any of that. Well, we've got to get the vaccine numbers up. Well, we were just told by Fauci and Walensky and and Biden that the vaccine does not stop transmission. So why are we focused on getting the vaccine numbers up when it's not going to do that? When it's not, well, because we need to make people feel comfortable. We need to make them feel safe, right? But those feelings are completely divorced from reality. If If you really want people to feel comfortable and safe and to be comfortable and safe, how about you tell them the truth? And how about we base our policy on the truth? They can't do that because they are caught in so many lies. They are caught in so many lies on this issue in particular. But 
at the, at the broader political level on, on a whole number of issues that they can't do it. They can't go back. They can't go back and ground their policy in the truth. The problem is that people have been deluded and COVID and the masks, that's just one symptom of this, but it's a really clear symptom and it's a really clear symbol. The, the mask is a political symbol and it is a symbol of people's delusions. So, well, you know, they, we got to make sure that they wear that so that they can remain in their delusion. No, that's, if you're going to dispel delusion, any place, it should be in a classroom. That's the point of education is to dispel fantasies, to dispel illusions and to teach people the truth. But we can't do, we're, we're pretty far gone at this point. As some of us predicted we would be. There's a, a study that just came out from The Economist and YouGov that asked people, how often do you wear your mask when you leave the home? They're assuming now that people don't wear their masks in the home. I guess some lunatics probably still do. But they said, how many of you wear the mask now when you leave the home? 38% of respondents, 38% said that they always wear the mask when they leave their homes now. Now, in, in the year of our Lord, 2022, two years after 15 days to slow the spread, they are wearing their masks, which the public health officials have admitted to us are facial decorations, don't really do much of anything. They've changed the argument for the masks multiple times. The masks do not work. They won't, they won't do it you, during the height of a pandemic. Dr. Fauci said this. You shouldn't wear the mask. It's not, people are going to fiddle. It's not going to give you that kind of protection you think you're getting. Then he said, you do need to wear the masks. Then they said the masks are to protect other people. Now we're also being told the masks are intended to protect individuals sometimes, but everyone's really mealy-mouthed and confused about it. And we're, then we're being told that the masks actually don't do really much of anything at all. And the official narrative on what the masks do changes by the minute. And, the, and people will just go along with it. One, because they're legitimately confused. And two, because they'll be punished if they contradict whatever the narrative is du jour, if they contradict whatever the party line is. The people pushing this crap don't believe it. Gavin Newsom doesn't believe it. That's why he get, keeps getting caught not wearing his mask at public events and in restaurants and in stadiums where he tells other people to wear the masks. The mayor of San Francisco multiple times gets caught not wearing a mask indoors, at bars, at clubs, and she doesn't even apologize. She says, ah, well, yeah, the spirit moved me. I wanted to get up and dance. You don't want to dance with a mask on. Okay, all you peasants need to put your mask on. Dr. Fauci, how many times has he been caught not wearing his mask? He, he walks into the center of an empty baseball stadium. He's got the mask on. He's making, he's making an example. And then he goes and sits down next to his friends and he takes the mask off not even just to eat or drink. He just takes it off because it's uncomfortable and stupid. <laughs> so he's, of course he's going to. Stacey Abrams walks into a classroom. She says, all you little kids who face statistically almost no risk from this virus, you all need to put the mask on, but not me, not Stacey. And then they catch her in it. And she says, oh, I just took it off for a brief second. And then you see more photos of her at other times not wearing the mask in the classroom. And she says, oh yeah, well, never mind. Actually, her first answer on this was, if you criticize me, it's because you're a racist. Our opponents are using a Black History Month event to attack me. It's pathetic. It's transparent. You say, no, lady, the only thing that's pathetic and transparent is, is your insistence that everyone follows a rule that you yourself do not follow and do not believe in. Now, something that I really believe in is ordering your auto parts online from Rock Auto. 
In the year of our Lord, 2022, why are you going to the brick and mortar auto parts store? Why are you taking the time to get in your car, drive the 15 minutes, go and wait online, go talk to the guy, get peppered with questions. He goes in the back to look for the part that you want for your car or truck. They don't have it. He comes back. He says, we're going to have to order it. Come back in two weeks. You drive home. You, God, why, why? Gosh, why are you doing this? When you could go to rockauto.com. Right now, family business, they got all the parts for your car or truck that you could possibly want. You could save 30%. You could save 50% off the part, the very same part that you get in the brick and mortar store. You get it. The website is so easy to navigate. Even I can do it. No gimmicks. It's not that you got to log in Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. to save 15%. No, it's always reliably low prices. Same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Stacey Abrams who was caught not wearing the mask at this event with all the little kids that she made mask up. Her initial reaction was to double down, say, who cares, call her opponents racist, typical leftist playbook. But it's, it's gone far enough, even for her, and she's trying to get elected in Georgia after spending several years pretending that she got elected last time as governor, even though she lost that race, gaslighting a whole bunch of people <laughs> on the 2018 gubernatorial election. So Stacey Abrams said, okay, fine, I'm going to apologize, sort of. So obviously we've all seen the picture. We've all seen the coverage of the picture. Did you make a mistake by taking a photo maskless in the classroom when it appears that everyone else, including all the children, were wearing them? Yes, I will say this. I went to read to kids for an African-American read-in day. I approached the podium with my mask on. I followed the protocols. I told the kids I'm taking my mask off because I'm reading to kids who are listening remotely as well. And we were socially distanced. The kids were socially distanced from me. I told them that's what I was doing. And in the excitement after I finished, because it was so much fun working with those kids, I took a picture and that was a mistake. Protocols matter and protecting our kids is the most important thing and anything that can be perceived as undermining that is a mistake and I apologize. I apologize. I totally apologize. I mean, I did nothing wrong and I was just reading to kids and then I only took my mask off because I was, I was reading to people over Zoom and for some reason people in the room can't, can hear you when you speak through a mask, but people can't hear you through a microphone or whatever. I guess that's the argument I'm making. And then I'm sorry that I got so excited reading to kids. So, you know, I'm sort of sorry. Not much of an apology, Stacey Abrams, but she's trying to wriggle out of this political dilemma that she's in, having learned absolutely nothing, not caring at all, not believing in the COVID alarmism that she herself is helping to peddle. She's obviously not believing in it because actions speak louder than words, but she's trying to wriggle out of it. There's a, there's a Yiddish expression. I'm not going to try to do it. I don't know what it is in Yiddish, but the Yiddish expression is if you're going to eat pork, eat it until your mouth drips. (laughs) And the idea being, if you're going to transgress a moral law or a social moray, you better enjoy yourself. Well, you better make it worthwhile to to yourself. And uh, and probably it would have been wiser for Stacey Abrams to do that and say, look, I own it. I'm I'm sorry. I did something very wrong. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to give you explanations. I just, you caught me. I did something wrong. You caught me. I shouldn't have done it. She can't do that. A Republican in the same situation if he wanted to wriggle out of it, would, would, I guess, probably have to do that kind of apology. He wouldn't be let off the hook with the Stacey Abrams fake apology. But Stacey Abrams can get away with this 
because the entire establishment is working with her and they're a propaganda arm for the Democratic Party and they'll just change the narrative day by day. Speaking of selfish lady celebrities, Kim Kardashian. I I have not talked about this story too much because it's sort of tabloid trash and the dissolution of a celebrity marriage is neither particularly notable news nor really any of my business or interest. But I'll tell you, I, I was really hoping those two kids would make it. I was, I know, I know it's weird because, you know, Kim Kardashian is a reality TV porn star, right? She got her start on this porn tape and Kanye West is one of the most eccentric rappers and individuals in the entire world. But I just kind of, I kind of thought I was hoping they would make it. And, and Kanye West, he had this conversion experience. He became quite serious ostensibly about his Christianity. And I just thought, I thought it'd be really good if they could make it. But Kim Kardashian has said she's chosen herself. There's a seven bazillion word profile of her now in one of the magazines. What is it? Vogue, I guess. And in it, she says, I've chosen myself. Quote, for so long, I did what made other people happy, the 41-year-old explains. And I think in the last two years, I decided I'm going to make myself happy. And that feels really good. And even if that created changes and caused my divorce, I think it's important to be honest with yourself about what really makes you happy. I've chosen myself. I think it's okay to choose you. She pauses before elaborating. My 40s are about being team me. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to work out. I'm going to have more fun, spend more time with my kids and the people who make me happy. I'm going to put my phone down. It's just, it's about me. And it, yeah, maybe that's going to cause the dissolution of my marriage. And yeah, maybe that's going to traumatize my children. And yeah, maybe that's going to cause just horrible problems for everyone who, whom I ostensibly love. But you know, I just kind of want to, I just kind of want it. And that's really good and important, right? Be selfish. It's really good to be selfish. So says the moral philosopher, Kim Kardashian. She has no right to do this. This is horribly reckless. This is terrible for her children. It's wrong to do this in her marriage. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Everything about it is wrong. And I bring it up not just to shame Kim Kardashian, but because so many people believe this in our culture. They just think, I've got it. I'm so put upon. I do so much for everybody else. What are you talking about, lady? You are a celebrity, a reality TV star celebrity. Your your entire career is about being self-obsessed. And so you've been self-obsessed for your whole life. And now you're being more self-obsessed and you're pretending that that's a change, which it's not. And you're pretending it's a change for the better, which it wouldn't be even if it were true. It's You're just doing more of what you've been doing the whole time. And it's leading you to ever more destructive ever more destructive behaviors. So this is a great way to live a miserable life. It, I'm, I'm very sad that Kim Ye seems to be splitting up, but let this be a cautionary tale. Let this, there's, there's a woman right now. She was from the AT&T commercials. I haven't seen a lot of them, but she's the, the lady from the, the AT&T commercials, Milana Vaintrub. She just wrote in this long essay about how happy she is to have aborted her child. She said, over the past decade, I've hardly thought about my abortion, except for when I think of those who may not have access to one. She's saying, I'm not upset about my abortion. I don't even think about it. I don't, that's why I'm writing long essays about it. It's because I totally don't think about it. And it had no effect. And it was totally a trivial event. Because now that I've experienced a full-term pregnancy and given birth, I find myself thinking about how imprisoning it would be to go through this if I didn't choose it. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, 99% plus of women who get abortions choose it. They, cho- they choose to get pregnant because they've had consensual sex. All of us with a uterus may soon be stripped of the constitutional right to an abortion. It's awful. Here we are. I wouldn't have had my career 
I wouldn't have had all of this if I hadn't killed my child. I couldn't have sold cell phones on television. I couldn't have had the supreme joy of selling cellular telephone plans on TV if I had not killed my child. It's a, it's a horrific thing. I, I'm, I assume this is a completely fake front and she actually is deeply troubled by this, which is why she keeps talking about it. But think about what, what madness a culture has to descend into and a person has to descend into to think that selling crappy cell phones on television is so much better than having a child and it justifies killing a child. That's the mad sort of culture we're living in. And we've all got to, we've all got to pretend that it's true in this gaslighting culture. If you missed the world premiere of Shut In last night, then you seriously missed out. Not only did we get to share a film too gritty and thrilling for Hollywood, but we were able to tease out our next big film, Terror on the Prairie. That's a Western starring the great Gina Carano. We could not be more excited to be making good on our promise of bringing you real entertainment. And for those that tuned in, we seriously hope you enjoyed as much as we did. If you missed it, do not worry. It's streaming on our website for members only. If you're not a member, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Enter code SHUTIN for 30% off your membership. We will be right back with the mailbag. My favorite time of the week, the mailbag. First question up from Ava. Hi, Michael. In a previous mailbag, you mentioned that yoga is satanic. And I was wondering how you feel about holistic healing and organic food. Recently, my mom switched us over from taking pills and going to the doctor to juicing fruit and using essential oils and plants. On one hand, I feel better drinking fresh pineapple juice and rubbing peppermint oil on my lips than swallowing cough syrup. On the other hand, I jokingly tell her she's being a hippie and we shouldn't practice witchcraft. <laughs> oh, Ava, great job. You're, <laughs> you got the right attitude. What is your view on holistic healing and organic food? Do you think it's witchcraft or something we should all do? being that the medical and pharmaceutical companies are becoming less and less trustworthy. Sincerely, an organic apple a day can keep Fauci away if you just throw it hard enough. <laughs> Ava, I don't need to give you any advice. You clearly have a good head on your shoulders. You've got to parse out a couple of things here. Just, just as with the yoga example, by the way, is yoga bad to do? Well, there's two parts to yoga. There's the physical part and the spiritual part, the religious part. And most people pretend that yoga is entirely physical. It's just stretching. What's wrong with wearing tight pants and stretching, Michael? But they ignore the fact that you're doing chants, you're doing a Hindu liturgy. You're do, I mean, you're actually participating in a religious ritual. And so if you are a Christian or you're not a, the, a, a Hindu who practices yoga, that would seem to be incoherent. And if you are a Christian, for instance, if you're a monotheist, uh, then you probably shouldn't be practicing a polytheistic religious liturgy. That's probably not, not a great idea. Well, it's the same thing here with all the hippie food. Sweet little Elisa loves the hippie food now. She's totally into it. I can't believe it. Me, uh, sweet little Elisa has been gone the past few days. And so I've just been eating absolute trash, fast food for almost every meal. I've got wrappers in the back of my car from every fast food joint you can imagine. I just, I don't really care about the organic, you know, but sweet little Elisa will go to the grocery store and not only will she get the organic egg now, which, you know, a regular egg is what, like two or three bucks for a dozen. The, the organic egg is what, it's like $1,500 per egg. And then, but it's not just that, it's she's going to get the pasture raised 
organic, you know, filet mignon fed, college educated, uh, you know, living in a nice uh, condo in, in Tribeca egg. And that's going to, and that's going to cost me my annual salary per omelet to do it. But she's really into it. And she says the eggs look better. And frankly, I, I like the idea of not trusting big farming and not trusting big pharma for that matter, and not trusting these, you know, giant woke corporations that, that do not have our interests at heart. And, and sure, I'm, I'm actually all for really high quality food, but then you said holistic healing there too. Meaning what is that? Are you like chanting things? Are you, in addition to just eating high quality foods, are you now also taking a bunch of snake oil and doing all sorts of kooky hippie rituals? That part you should not do. I'm all for stretching. I'm not for worshiping demons. I'm all for eating nice eggs, even if they're fancy and they're going to bankrupt me. I'm not for engaging in rituals that are not going to help you medically and that are spiritually very confused. We can do both. Prudence and moderation are virtues. Temperance is a virtue. So it can be the case that when when you've got a, a legitimate illness, you take real medicine. But also, you don't trust everything that Big Pharma is trying to shove down your throat. And also, maybe you eat a little bit better. I think a little temperance and moderation is a good idea. And I, I do hope that sweet little Elisa, every so often, starts buying the regular eggs as well. So that we can continue to pay our mortgage. From Jake, dear Lord Knowles, I've heard your arguments for capital punishment and the execution of certain criminals by the state. I agree with you. However, I would go a step further and be in favor of inhumane public televised executions. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Rather than Jokar Sarnayev, the Boston Marathon bomber, or Lee Boyd Malvo, the DC Beltway sniper attack, or Dylan Roof, who is actually the only one sentenced to death. He was the guy who shot up a black church and killed lots of innocent people. Uh, Given special privileges for the Muslim faith, life in prison, or private execution, I think a live burning at the stake would be more useful. I believe the thought of suffering a similar fate would be much more effective in deterring wannabes than the risk of living, being famous in a compound with all the essentials taken care of, and the inevitable book being made about your infamous deeds. What are your thoughts on this, and is this a bit too far? It is a bit too far. It is, because the the reason to support capital punishment is not your desire for vengeance. That would be a very bad reason. It's not your desire for wrath. It's not your desire to torture someone. The good argument for capital punishment is justice. And justice is different than vengeance. And justice is different than wrath. Just, here's an example of justice. An eye for an eye, like we see in the Bible. Uh, here's an example of vengeance and wrath and injustice. If you pluck out my eye, I will kill your entire family and burn your town to the ground. That would be, that would not be proportionate. That would not be particularly just. A good argument for capital punishment is, is not, we want to hurt you and put you in as much pain as we possibly can. A good argument for capital punishment is we want to help you actually, because hanging concentrates the mind and you're a sick puppy and society has the right to protect itself against you and society has the right to deter further crime and justice calls out and demands justice. It demands itself. It demands that everyone gets what he deserves. Uh, But also we're doing you a favor. We, we, (laughs) We don't want you to persist down this terrible path. We want you to repent. We want you to get your, get your soul in order before you meet your maker. So I would not would not recommend, you know, burning people alive necessarily. It's, it's, 
I don't think that would be the best argument. I don't think that would bring a lot of people along either. From Cameron, Michael, hello from very liberal Illinois. The good news is that the district I live in has a Republican representative. The bad news is the representative is Adam Kinzinger. My question is, when his name comes on the ballot next time, should I still give him my vote if he is facing a Democrat? Either way, it feels like a lose-lose. Yeah, it does. Kinzinger is such a putz. I mean, he's just such a squish, fake, court jester conservative who lives and exists to serve Democrats and to give the pretense of genuine opposition. All of that said, the way to get rid of Kinzinger and the other squishes is to primary them. That's, that's when you can do it. So someone should run against him in a primary. I don't think he's even running for re-election, is he? There's no way that guy's going to win again. So I th- that's, the, that's the way you would do it is you would primary them. But if you're asking me, just generally, take Kinzinger out of it for a second. If, if I live in a liberal place and the choice is between a leftist Democrat and a moderate Republican, who should I vote for? I think you should vote for the most right viable candidate. That's the Buckley rule. Rules have exceptions, sure, but I think that's a good guide. You should vote for the most right viable candidate. There are some benefits to electing squishes. It'd be better to elect conservatives, but the the benefits to electing squishes in left-wing places, left-wing states and left-wing districts, is you can preserve, say, a Republican majority. You You can get generally better policy. So you've got to make a prudential judgment there. But ideally, you boot the guy out in the primaries and you get a real conservative in. From Lauren. Hi, Michael. I've been in a strict quarantine since the pandemic began and have only left my house a handful of times in two years. I'm 24 living with my parents where one has health conditions making it extremely high risk for COVID, uh, causing us to be cautious. I'm not just a bum only child living off of my parents. I moved back after college to save money and the pandemic hit before I could move. Because of this isolation, I've gone through lots of anxiety and depression, but have tried to stay focused on the fact that my sacrifices have been for my family and the positives that have come like finding this show. That's very kind. Uh, I'm close with my family and do not want to hurt feelings or show disrespect. At what point do I say I have fulfilled my Christian daughter duties and should take steps to re-enter society? When that point comes, how do I proceed without being disrespectful or hurtful? Thank you and God bless people pleaser from Nashville. Nashville, my town too. You're my neighbor. Well, you know, Nashville's not locked down. It really never was locked down, but certainly not, not locked down anymore. Nashville is, has been back to regular life for, for a long time. So I, I think that if your parent is r- genuinely at a very high risk from COVID, and if the vaccines, for whatever reason, cannot be expected to work on your parent, and, and if you've taken all these precautions and still your parent is at extreme risk, at a certain point, you've got to get back to living life. I'm not saying you should never have acquiesced and sacrificed some of your individual liberty to your parent. No, actually, that's a good and pious thing to do. It's great. Uh, but you got to move on then. You've got to move on. Either your parent misunderstands the science and is relying on a cloth mask to save them, and the cloth mask is not going to save them, or doesn't think that the vaccine is even going to prevent hospitalization or death or greatly reduce that risk, which we're, we're all told that that's still what the vaccine does. So maybe they're misunderstanding that. Or, it, you know, if your parent is living in delusion and neurosis from COVID, then it would be good to gently correct your parent on that. But uh, regardless, you probably have to move out at some point. And you can. We have a labor shortage. I'm sure you can get a job if you don't have one already. And, you know, you've you got to move on then. You can't you can't be trapped in a tower in your parents' home, even if they have every good reason to not let you 
go out or, you know, it's their house and force you to wear a mask or whatever. You, at a certain point, you have to live your life. And it's not a rejection of your family to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out now and live on my own in part to help protect you from this medical condition. But you, you have to do that's You gotta, you gotta live. You can't, you can't just hide for your whole life. That's not, you can't and get more anxious and more and more depressed. And I'm glad that my show can <laughs> provide some relief from your anxiety and depression. But I say this with no false modesty. I am not enough, my dear. You've got to go. You've got to go live your life. From Joe. Hi, Michael. Four months ago, my wife and I welcomed our first child into the world. My new role of father has changed my outlook on many things, including a desire to return to my Catholic roots. I was born and raised Catholic. My wife, though not hostile toward the Catholic church, has no desire to convert or have our son baptized in the faith. We've come to the agreement that we alter, will alternate Sundays between the non-denominational Protestant service and mass, Holy Catholic mass, and uh, allow our son to choose his faith when he desires. What are your thoughts on this? Thanks for the advice. Well, you know my thoughts for, as a religious matter, because I'm Catholic. And my thoughts are, you should obviously baptize your child and raise him in the Catholic faith. Now, maybe your wife says, no, I totally reject that. No way, I'm not going to do that. Okay, she, she, I guess she's entitled to her religious views. But that's a you problem then. And you got to figure this out. The one thing I would not do is split the baby. Do not split the baby. That's not a good idea. You cannot raise your child simultaneously in two different religions. You can't. If your kid is going to be a Catholic then your kid is not going to be a Protestant. And if your kid is going to be a Protestant, your kid is not going to be a Catholic. And you can try to kick the can down the road and you can try to ignore it and bury your head in the sand and say, well, no, you know, it's, and even if you say, well, we're going to do both, then that just means your kid's a Protestant because the, <laughs> the Protestant churches, regardless of which denomination you're in, the, the one unifying feature is they're all not Catholic. So if, and if you're a Catholic, they say, don't, you can't participate in other religious ceremonies. So you are, even if you think that you're just persisting in a kind of indecision, you are making a decision. That indecision is a type of decision. And so you gotta, you gotta pick it. And I don't know, it's your marriage. I can't answer. And it's your faith and it's your, you know, your relationship with God. So you've got to make that decision. But if it were me, I would say in my true knuckle dragging troglodyte sort of way, I would say, my dear, we're married. I'm the head of this household. We're raising the child Catholic and uh, I'm not going to force you to, uh, you know, I'm not going to force you to convert if you don't want to convert, but we are baptizing the child. We're raising him in the sacraments and that's the way it goes. And, you know, by the way, if you're, I don't know what sort of Protestant views your wife has, but you know, some of them are pretty into that whole Genesis three, like I'm the head of my household sort of thing. So maybe look, maybe that'll work. Maybe, maybe it'll be persuasive, but I, I would make a decision. Don't pretend that you can get away from making it. You can't, you can't, you've got to you are making a decision one way or the other. You can't avoid it. From Evan. Hello, Mr. Knowles. You recently answered a question from a viewer regarding a, women, a woman's body count. Okay. Talking about, you know, talking about a woman's uh, sexual history. Since most women won't be honest about their number, should men be honest about their pasts? Would it be considered lying to tell the truth, but not the whole truth? I don't think a relationship filled with secrecy can be successful, as the truth will eventually come out. Thank you for your advice. For men or for women, you should not lie about this. And frankly, if you've amended your ways you don't, and repented and, you know, kind of changed your life, you don't even need to be all that ashamed of your, of your past. You know, in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. And we have the opportunity for redemption and repentance. And we've all done terrible things and all fall short of the glory of God. And you can just move on. So, okay, move on. Uh, you don't, 
You don't want to lie about it. That would be really bad. But the other thing is, yeah, we, we love transparency in our culture. We think nothing is better than just complete transparency over anything. A little mystery is okay too. I don't want to hear about every single thing in excruciating detail that my girlfriend or wife or, you know, if you're a lady writing in a boyfriend or husband, I want to hear about every single detail of everything they've ever done. A little mystery is just fine. Don't be dishonest. Do not lie. But uh, modesty and discretion is okay too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. We'll see you Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>